I go to his house and, and we're catching up. There was no agenda. There was no like, hey, we're going to go over these things, anything like that. I was asking about his business. You know, how did it become so big? And his business is one that you know, you probably consume their products. For reference, it has about a $60 billion value right now. Six zero, $60 billion market cap right now. Then as we went on talking about, you know, do you make the market or do you just have good timing? His advice was this, and this is where it applies to you. Welcome everybody to the Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Chris Harder Show, where today I'm grateful for, you know what? I'm grateful for proximity to really good mentors. I mean, that might as well be my my gratitude of the week on my show here, because that's what I'm going to talk about. This episode is going to be about one of my mentors, one of my multi, multi, pretty famous billionaire mentors, and a, a little coffee date I just got back from having with this guy. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that we talked about because I think they would also benefit your life and benefit your business. So my gratitude is just that I have access to people like this and and then that I get to pass it along to you. And speaking of really good mentors, before I share with you what he shared with me, I want to let you know that we are about one week away, maybe a little bit less by the time you hear this, from opening up our first round table session of 2024. And when I say opening it up, I mean opening up the seats. Now, if you guys have watched in the past, you know that I open up seats by first texting our VIP early access list 24 hours before I share it publicly. And all but one time, there were no seats left publicly. All but one time, it went in just a matter of hours. It sells out. And that's because it's such a small room. This is what I created last year when I wanted intimacy to really roll up my sleeves and work on your business. So I choose 15 of you, or I should say there's 15 total entrepreneurs in the room. And for 48 hours, we get to know each other, we get to know each other's businesses, and we strategically advise each other on our businesses. I give you advice on yours. The other 14 talented entrepreneurs give you advice on yours. And everyone that leaves that 48 hours says it's the literally the best bang for your buck room that you can possibly get in. It's because we keep the investment really low and the impact of being in a small room like that and all of those hands on your business for 48 hours, that's really high. And it's not just the strategy that comes out of there. It's the relationships that come out of there. People have already started a business coming out of that 48 hours. People have made brand new friendships. Someone started a charity coming out of there. Uh, I just got a text out of the blue from an awesome guy His name is David, and he was there. And he said, hey, I just want to let you know that you restored my faith in rooms like this. X, Y, and Z has now happened since I left that room. I mean, guys, this probably is our best bang for your buck entry that you could possibly get 
to come in and work with us in a small sliver of our network. So because these seats go so quick, here's what I want you to do. In a minute, I want you to hit pause. And I want you to go text me the word roundtable, and I will add you to that early access VIP list so that you at least have a chance of getting one of these seats. So hit pause and text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. Again, that number is 310-421-0416. Hit pause right now and text the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. And then come right back to this episode because here is what my multi-multi-billionaire mentor and I just went over it. And let me frame this a little bit. It's a Sunday as I'm recording this right now. And I thought, you know, what? I'm going to record this right when I got done with this meeting because this stuff was fresh in my mind. And I got a text this morning. And uh, he said, hey, heard you're back in the neighborhood. Uh, what are you up to this morning? Why don't you swing by the house for some coffee? Now, I've never been to his home before. It was incredible. I didn't know Tuscany, Italy happened to be in the middle of Newport. It was so breathtaking. So, of course, I dropped what I was doing and said, sure, doing nothing. I'll be right over because <laughs> that's what you say when you get these opportunities. And so, sure enough, I went to his neighborhood. I went to his house and we sat down and we had coffee for an hour. And we just talked, you know, caught up a little bit and, and talked about what I'm up to, both business-wise and personally and what he's up to. He's in the middle of a move to an even better house that supports more of his art. And, and I guess I should frame it this way. I'm going to be cryptic about who it is out of respect for him. So I'm not going to share who it is or what his business is. But when I reference him and when I reference his business a couple of times, pardon the cryptic nature of it, it's just because I always protect my relationships with my friends and with my mentors and I, I protect the conversations. But I also want to make sure I am able to pass the fruit on to you, so to speak. And, and so pardon the, the cryptic nature of it. Uh, it's just out of respect, of course. All right, so I go to his house and, and we're catching up. There was no agenda. There was no like, hey, we're going to go over these things, anything like that. And one of the first things that we talked about that I thought would be important to you was I was asking about his business. You know, how did it become so big? And his business is one that you know, you probably consume their products. For reference, it has about a $60 billion value right now, six zero, sixty $60 billion market cap right now. Uh, it's a public company and uh, he's the founder of it. And so I asked him, I said, hey, I'm really curious. Way back when, when you created this business, did you create the market or did the market create itself and you just happened to be there waiting with perfect timing? And the reason I asked this is, you know, I'm building Frello and we're kind of building or I should say adding momentum to the peer-to-peer finance space that has already exploded onto the market, but we have a brand new take and a brand new way of, of getting quick loans into people's hands by matchmaking them, right? So I'm, I'm kind of creating a market, but really I'm just adding a product to a market that's already exploding. So I was curious, you know, what was his timing with this? And he kind of told the story. He said he recognized the trend of his product in Europe. He's actually European by descent. And uh, he recognized the trend in Europe and he knew it would not be long before it was in the U.S., before it took the U.S. by storm. So he said, you know, uh, I decided that I'd go to the U.S. We had done a lot of business in the U.S. before. I decided to go to the U.S. and we would take a, a shot at getting this thing off the ground. And sure enough, it was a, a massive success, obviously. So 
then as we went on talking about, you know, do you make the market or do you just have good timing? His advice was this, and this is where it applies to you. He said, look for trends that are popular elsewhere that haven't hit your area yet. Now, this doesn't have to be like trends in another country that you're waiting for it to come to the U.S. This could literally be look for things that are trending online in California that are going to be really popular in the Midwest this time next year. Or look for things that are starting to trend in New York and you know that they're going to work their way towards the middle of the country this time next year. Look for something that's really popping off in Austin and say, hey, my town or my area could really use this. It could be a fitness trend. It could be a food trend. It could be a clothing or fashion trend. It could be anything, right? So look for other areas, and this is a key to success in business. Look for other areas that are further along in the future than the area where you could bring that business to. And it's just a fact of the matter that things tend to start in California and work their way east, or they tend to start in New York and work their way west. Remember, I'm Midwest born and raised, and I still go back there for summers. And it's so funny because I can literally see, because I live in California half the year, I can literally see things that start to pop up, certain types of juice shops, you name it, when I go back and visit the Midwest that have already been a popular trend for five years in California or in New York. And this is really what he did. He saw this trend just absolutely popping off in Europe. And he said, you know what? The U.S. is going to take this and it's going to explode. And that's how he ended up where he is today. So that was the first piece of advice I wanted to pass on to you. Look for something that's trending elsewhere that you know is inevitably going to work its way to your market and be the first person to bring it to your market or to apply it to your current business. All right. Second thing that we kind of worked our way into, and we went all over the place in our conversation. I said, you know, how did you grow so quickly? Like what were the the moments where you went from sustained growth to absolute rocket ship trajectory where you, you know, went fivefold, tenfold, whatever it was. And he said, listen, to have those massive leaps and bounds, whether you create it or whether the market creates it for you, you either need access to massive amounts of capital, endless capital, or you need access to endless strategic relationships or partnerships. You need one or the other. When that explosiveness in your business presents itself, it's going to cost you a ton of money to take advantage of it, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. Let's think about this on a small scale. Let's say that you have some kind of really great topic that you coach on. And that topic, that reel goes absolutely viral. Well, to serve it in the way that you want to, now you're going to have to hire some team real quick. That costs money. Maybe create some product real quick. That costs money. Maybe create some editing, some AV real quick. That costs money, right? So you need capital to take advantage of the fact that you're about to trend or you need strategic partnerships. So again, thinking on a small level, you know, maybe that's like, hey, you've got an AV team that you know would be all in if you give them a rev share, or you've got someone who can create the course for you real quick, even though you're the expert, they can be the integrator that literally creates the physical course for you real quick if you give them a a small share of it. You either need capital or you need that strategic partnership. And in his case, it was a massive merger with one of the biggest beverage companies in the whole wide world 
his rocket ship moment presented itself and they either needed billions of dollars to take advantage of it or they needed a company that already had the ability to distribute and scale the way that it was presenting itself worldwide. And so in his case, he chose the merger. This larger food and beverage company purchased 20% of his company and they were off to the races. And it wasn't just that injection of the capital, the 20%. More importantly, it was the distribution that was in place, the worldwide distribution chain that was in place and the worldwide production and logistics that were already in place. So he either had to come up with billions of dollars or partner with the people who could already do that work that would have cost billions of dollars. And that's how they grew, you know, a big tenfold jump and then another tenfold jump and another tenfold jump in that case. And then that led to another conversation that we talked about. And that was what makes a good partnership when you merge like that. Or in your case, if you're thinking about doing a deal with somebody, you're maybe going halvesies on your brand or something like that. And he said, in any partnership or when making any deal for that matter, even if you're dealing with a vendor, right? You're trying to make a price negotiation with a vendor of yours or something. It has to be from a place of finding the win-win for both parties. And not just theoretically, not just on paper, but it literally has to create a win-win in the long run. And to create a win-win in the long run, this was the key part. He said, you have to expect to give up some of the things that were important to you in that negotiation. And that was the case in his merger. Like the merger made the company that bought him uh, five times more money back than their investment in a very short period of time. And it more than 10X'd his business and and took them from a a national company to a, a global juggernaut. You can't go anywhere in any country without seeing this product. And so that was the win-win part. Both parties won. But he said he gave up a lot of things that were important to him in order to make that deal happen. And so did the larger company that, you know, they gave up things that they first came to the table with that meant a lot to them. And he said, here's the, the toughest part. When you give up those things, it's not like it doesn't hurt. There's still pain points today. But the overall greater good that was achieved was worth it, right? So the pain points may be large that you have to deal with. What you want to give up in that negotiation might be really important to you, but the deal doesn't get done. And more importantly, it doesn't turn out to be a true win-win if you're not willing to give up and accept some of those things that you don't want to give up or live into some of those pain points that you don't want to live into. And he said, if you become a person or a business that's known for being flexible and creating win-win deals for people, then you'll never have a shortage of partners or capital or opportunities out there. And so it's a great reminder that you're not making a good deal when only you win. You're making a good deal when both parties win and now other people want to make deals with you as well. Other people want to do business with you as well. So that was the third piece of advice that, that came out of that. Then the fourth piece was this. It was more of a personal one. This was my first time at his house in a beautiful place. And, you know, we're walking around and he has all of this original art on the walls. And as a matter of fact, they're, they're just finished building another home in this same neighborhood that has a giant art cellar, if you will, to uh, protect and display the whole collection and, and uh, big 
uh, storage facility underground. It's, it's crazy, right? And so we're going around and, and he's showing it to, to me saying, here's why I collected this and here's why I collected that and here's what this means to me and here's what that means to me, et cetera. And I said to him, I, you know, I said, let me ask you a personal question. You know, when you get this amount of money, how do you know what to spend money on and, and what not to? Or how do you kind of police yourself so that you're not just spending money for the dopamine hit of spending money or something like that? And he said, you know, my advice is this. Always be smart with your money first and foremost. But also remember that life is unpredictable. So don't be afraid to part with a good amount of it on any damn thing that makes you happy. And that's the balance that we're looking for. Be smart with your money first and foremost, but also don't be so stringent that you become afraid to part with it for something that makes you happy. And in this case, it was art for him. That really resonates. You know, for me, it's, it's classic cars, but I'm not going to buy them to the extent that all of a sudden I'm, I'm damaging, you know, lorries in my future or jeopardizing our businesses or our teams or something like that. Uh, so it creates a good middle ground, a, a, a good checks and balances, if you will. And I thought it was a really neat reminder. You know, I, I'm a memory making machine. I, I spend a lot of our money on making memories for the family and making memories for our, our friends, and whether it's renting cabins for everybody and saying, hey, meet us up here or buying that lake house and hosting everyone up there or vacations or you name it. That stuff means a lot to spend our money on making memories for our loved ones. And sure, a financial advisor could come along and say, hey, you bought this thing too early or you should have spent that much money on this thing over there. And I guess mathematically they might be right. But you know what's more valuable to me than squirreling away some of that money? It's collecting the memories. It's collecting that joy. But never to the point where it'll be detrimental to our stability and our long-term safety. And so it's a really cool confirmation to be sitting here with this person that could buy anything in the whole wide world that he would ever, ever, ever want literally could never spend all of his money. And for him to say, you know, first and foremost, be smart with your money. But remember that life is unpredictable. So don't be afraid to part with a good amount of it on any damn thing that makes you happy. And I thought that was a really cool way to wrap up this episode. Listen, if you want mentorship like this from myself and from my friends and from, you know, the other people in the room, get into that next roundtable. Go ahead and hit stop on this episode and text me the word roundtable to 310 310- 421-0416. And I will see you and 14 other brilliant entrepreneurs with our sleeves rolled up, pouring ourselves into your business in April. All right, guys, can't wait to see who I get to work with in April. Thanks for listening. Love and appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.